We're going to begin reading at verse 18 of Genesis 37. As we continue our series entitled, The Coat My Father Gave Me. How many of you received a coat from your father? The coat of divine favor and divine affection. The Bible says that when they saw him from a distance and before he came close to them, they plotted against him to put him to death. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Now then come and let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. And we will say a wild beast devoured him. Then let us see what will become of his dream. But Reuben heard this and rescued him out of their hands and said, let us not take his life. And Reuben further said to them, shed no blood. Throw him into this pit that is in the wilderness, but do not lay hands on him, that he might, that he might rescue him out of their hands to restore him to his father. So it came about when Joseph reached his brothers that they stripped him of his tunic, the very colored tunic that was on him. And they took him and threw him into a pit. Now the pit was empty without water in it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the visitation of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. We're so grateful that you meet us at the place of our need. This morning I would ask that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. That you would anoint the hearing of this congregation that as they hear the word this morning, they might receive it with a cheerful heart and ready to put to work those things which you speak to their heart by faith. We ask this in Jesus' name and the church said amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. The life of Joseph, I have told you before, parallels in a typical way the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the scene that we see this morning is one of these moments where the life of Joseph very much reflects the life and ministry of Jesus. For you see, the Bible said that Joseph was hated by his brothers. And while his brothers were shepherding the flock of their father, Jacob, Jacob called Joseph, his youngest boy, and he said to him, Joseph, I want you to carry this bread to your brothers. I want you to go and make sure they're well. Go check on their welfare. And I'm sure that when Joseph heard those words from his dad saying, I want you to go check on your brothers, that he must have sensed that this was going to be a problem for him. He knew that as he went out into the field where his brothers were shepherding, that they would see him coming. That they would no doubt plot something against him. I doubt that Joseph knew how far their plot would go. I doubt that he uh, suspected that they would plan to kill him, but he knew something would be up. He knew that his brothers, because they hated him, would do something to him that would perhaps be harmful or, or hurtful to him. And yet, he said to Jacob, I will go. And we see in that a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ, who in the ages past before time began, the counsel of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit came together in a decision that would affect all of time. The decision was made that in order to save humanity from sin, one of the Godhead would have to come. He would have to become a man. He would have to be subject to human limitations. He would have to become a sacrifice for sinners. He would have to die on a cruel cross and face the agony and torture of Roman crucifixion as well as death. And yet, 
in the light of all of that, the Lord Jesus Christ said, I will go. I will go to them. I will give my life in a ransom for them. That's why you and I are here this morning. Because Jesus Christ, although he existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or held on to. But he emptied himself of his majesty and he came to earth becoming a man. He took the form of a bondservant, the form of a slave. And he became obedient to God the Father, even to the point of death, even death on a cross. I thank God today that you and I can come into this house and have freedom to enter the presence of God because of the blood of Jesus. Because he said, I will go, you and I can come. Because he said, I will go, you and I have access to the presence of God. And he died on that cross. He gave his life as a ransom for sin, your sin and my sin. And he died for us in our shame. While we were yet sinners, he died for us on that cross. He said, I will go because he loved you. He said, I will go because he cares for you. He said, I will go because even though you didn't exist yet, he had already made a plan for your salvation. And this morning, you and I are here today because of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you give him praise because he came? When we could not go to where he was, he came to us. Joseph said to his father, I will go. He goes to see his brothers. He goes to take them bread. And the Bible says that when they saw him coming, they began to plot against him. And they began to say, let us kill Joseph and we will see what will become of his dream. They said these words, here comes the dreamer. Are there any dreamers in the house this morning? Uh, maybe I'm preaching to the wrong church. Are there any dreamers in the house this morning? Well, you know, if you're a dreamer, if you have a, a faith that says God has greater things for your future than he did in your past, you're going to face some people who from time to time are going to say, here comes this dreamer. Here comes this man, this woman that believes in big things. Well, friend, you might as well just get used to that. People are going to call you a dreamer, but don't worry about it. You just keep walking in the direction of your dream. You just keep walking in the direction of God's purpose over your life. And here's what they did. When Joseph came into their presence, they attacked him. They took his coat and they threw him in a pit. They took his coat, which his father had meticulously planned and designed for him. It was a coat of many colors. It was a coat that represented the favor of Jacob and the favor of God. It was a, it was a coat which represented the fact that Joseph, although he was not the firstborn, had been given firstborn status in his father's heart. That he was the darling of his father's affection, the apple of his eye. They took the coat because they hated him. They hated the fact that Jacob had favored him and loved him. They took the coat because they really wanted what he had. They wanted a relationship with Jacob that Joseph had. They wanted the favor that he had. They wanted the affection that he had. They took his coat because they thought if we take his coat, we can take his favor. If we take his coat, we'll take his identity. If we take his coat, we will take his dream. Can I tell you this morning that there are those still today trying to strip you of your coat. There are those who try to strip the believer of their identity and their purpose before God. 
The devil tries to strip you of your coat, that coat of righteousness that you have been given through the blood of Jesus. The enemy tries to strip you of your coat because he believes if he can take your coat, he can take your identity and your favor. But I'm here to serve notice on the devil. You can take my coat, but you can't have my favor. You can take my coat, but you can't have my identity. I am a child of God. Come on, somebody. They can take your coat, but they cannot take who God has called you to be. They took his coat, but they could not take his father's affection. The affection of his father was still on him. They took his coat, but they could not take his dream. They took his coat, but they could not take his destiny. They took his coat, but they could not take his purpose. What are you telling me, Pastor? I'm telling you this. Don't weep about the things you've lost. You haven't lost anything that you needed to do the will of God in this generation. Come on, somebody. Don't cry about yesterday's losses. Everything you lost yesterday, you didn't need for today. God will see to it that although you don't have a coat, his favor rests upon you like a mantle of grace and will carry you into the place of his purpose and his agenda for your life. The coat our Father has given us is not a visible coat. It is a spiritual mantle. It is a mantle that hell fears. It is a mantle that demons dread. And it is a mantle that you and I need to wear with confidence. We need to wear with assurance because it is our Father's coat designed specifically for you and I. They threw him then after they had attacked him into a pit. Did you know that every dreamer is going to be attacked? You might ask yourself, Pastor, why am I under attack? Why am I under the attack of the onslaught of the enemy? And I'll tell you why. You're under attack because the enemy attacks dreamers. The enemy attacks those children of God who are going somewhere. The enemy attacks people who have a future, who have a purpose. The enemy attacks those who are doing uh, th are a threat to the kingdom of darkness. Satan attacks because he wants to steal your tomorrow. He attacks because there's a miracle on the way with your name on it. He attacks because he wants to prevent you from arriving at the place of victory and overcoming. But I'm here today to tell you that every power of hell has been defeated through the blood of Jesus Christ. And the attack of the enemy will not be greater than the hand of God on your life. The attacks will come. The enemy will come because he's scared to death of you. He doesn't want you to come to the place that God has designed for you. They attacked him and they threw him in a pit. And you know that for a little while, David, Joseph's life would be a series of pits. Maybe this morning you're in a pit. Have any of you ever fallen in a pit? You ever fallen in a hole that you seem you can't get out of? Maybe you've fallen into a hole of depression you can't seem to dig your way out of. Maybe you've fallen into a pit of financial need and you wonder where am I ever going to make the way out. I'm here today to tell you that there are pits in life. There are pits on the way to the palace. There are pits on the way to God's purpose for your life. But you don't have to stay in any of those pits. Did you hear me this morning? I said you don't have to stay in any of those pits. What do you do if you fall into a pit? First thing I want you to know is if you fall into a pit, don't get comfortable. Did you hear me this morning? I said, don't get comfortable. Tell your neighbor, don't get comfortable. You know that people like to get comfortable in pits. 
They like to get comfortable in, in places of defeat. People like to get comfortable when they have tried and failed. You don't have that luxury. You're a child of the living God. The royalty of heaven is on your life. You can't get comfortable in the pit. Some people have fallen into the pit of fear and they have gotten comfortable. Others have fallen into the pit of sin and they're comfortable in their sin. They say, well, this is just the way I am. This is just the way it is. No, friend, don't get comfortable in sin. You need to move out of sin. Get to a place of righteousness before God. Some people get comfortable in the pit of poverty. They say things like this. Well, we've always been poor. We'll always be poor. Our families always live in the projects. And guess where they're always going to live? In the projects. But you know what? If you get comfortable in that pit, that's your own choice. Because God didn't design a pit for you. He designed a palace for you. He designed a place of victory for you to live in and to enjoy his grace and his favor. Others have fallen into the pit of spiritual deadness and have become comfortable in their cold spiritual life. They don't read their Bible anymore. They don't pray. They don't fast. They don't seek after God. They're spiritually dead, spiritually numb. They have no desire to worship, no desire to be in God's house. And they make decisions that say, you know what? I'm just going to stay home this morning. It's kind of chilly outside. I'll just wait in, in bed and watch Pastor Isaac on Facebook. I'm watching you. And they say, you know what? I'm just comfortable here. But can I tell you, friend, there's a house full this morning that said, I can't settle for that. I've got to move on. I've got to go forward. I've got to have a revival in my life, revival in my spirit. And you made a decision to get up, get out in the cold and come to the house of God. Why? Because you know there is a in my future and I'm not going to get it by being comfortable in this pit don't get comfortable in that pit they say that uh, they tell the story about a man who was walking at night through a shortcut that went through a graveyard and he didn't realize that they had dug a fresh grave for the next morning and he fell into that grave and he tried to claw his way out he just couldn't get out and he tried to claw his way out some more and finally he heard a voice from someone who had previously fallen in the same grave and said, give it up, man. I've been trying all night. I can't get out. And that guy got out real quick after he heard that voice. Something in him said, I can't get comfortable in this grave. Can I tell you, you can't get comfortable in that pit. It's time to get up. It's time to get out. It's time to go forward in the name of Jesus. Say amen, somebody, in the house of God. When you fall into a pit, don't get discouraged in the pit. You're going to face discouragement. You're going to face life's challenges. You're going to face opportunities to give up. I heard about a man who went into the city of Chicago. He was excited. He had a new job, new opportunity, and uh, things seemed to be going his way. And he set down his suitcases, and he looked up, and he lifted his hands, and he said, now I've made it. And when he looked down, his suitcases were gone. Sometimes life will do that to you. Sometimes life will rip things right out from under you. But don't get discouraged. Move on. Move forward in the name of Jesus. There is a tomorrow that is greater than your today. Don't get discouraged. What do you do? Instead of getting discouraged, fight. Fight fear. Fight anxiety. Fight complacency and laziness. Fight self-pity. Decide I can't give up. I've got to get up. I said don't give up. Get up. Fight on in the name of Jesus. Because God has more for you than you have seen so far. Where you are isn't where you're going to stay. Don't decide, well, I can't make it. Don't get discouraged by what you hear. 
There will always be voices of discouragement. You've got to hear the voice of the Spirit. The voice that says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That voice that says you are the head and not the tail. You go above and not beneath. That voice that encourages the spirit of man to go forward in the name of the Lord. When you're in a pit, don't forget your dream. You know how easy it is to forget your dream when you fall into a pit. You fall into a trial. And all of a sudden, all you can see is the problem. All you can see is the trial. The things you don't have. The places you haven't been. The things you haven't achieved. When you start focusing on those things, you can't get out of the pit, friend. The only way for you to survive such a moment is to remember your dream. Remember what God has spoken to your life. Remember the things that God has promised you and promised your family. Remember the words spoken to you from the word of God. Remember the words spoken to you by the prophetic utterance. Remember those words of knowledge that you were given in your life. Those words that said you were going to make it. That you were going to succeed. That you were going to thrive. You say, but pastor, I'm not making it right now. I'm not succeeding. I'm not thriving. Hold on, friend. Believe God. Don't forget his promise over your life. God will not lie to you. He will fulfill his word to you every single time. Come on, somebody. You ought to give God praise because he will always do his word. He will always fulfill his promise to you. Don't forget your dream. Don't forget your dream in light of the circumstances you're in. You might say, well, maybe God has forgotten. God hasn't forgotten. The Bible tells us about the apostle Peter. Peter was placed in jail. The king had just put to death the apostle James, the brother of Jesus. And he had in mind to kill Peter next. The Bible said that the night before the execution, Peter went to sleep. And you say, how could someone sleep before their execution? I'll tell you how. Peter went to sleep in the midst of that prison because he had a promise from God. The Lord Jesus Christ has said to him, Peter, when you are old, you will be led. And he explained to him the day that he would die. He told him how he would come to his end. And I'm sure Peter was sitting in that prison cell and he thought it, and he started thinking over those promises God had spoken. And he said, wait a minute. God said that I was going to die when I was old and I ain't old yet, so I'm not dying tomorrow. I don't care what plans the king has made. I'm not dying tomorrow and I'm not losing sleep over it either. Can I tell you, friend, when you get into your spirit what God has spoken, you can sleep all through the night and know God has got it under control. God has got it in his hand and he will not let it go don't forget the dream and the promise of God don't forget the identity that you have as a child of God you know what the Bible says the Bible said that it would be easier for a mother to forget her child than it would for God to forget you I don't know many mamas who can forget their child they might, they might leave them in the, uh, in, the, uh, in the nursery for a couple minutes too long, but they won't forget about them. Sooner or later, they're going to say, wait a minute, I got a baby somewhere. I got to go find them. You know, it's easier for a mama to forget her baby who she bore in her womb for nine months. God says, your mama might forget you, but I will not forget you. I will not forget that you are my child. So don't forget it either, friend. You are a child of God. You bear the identity of heaven on your life. Don't forget who you are in Christ. And when you fall into these attacks, remember that these things were going to come. Jesus told us, in the world you will have trouble, but fear not because I have overcome the world. 
So what do you do, preacher? What do we do, pastor? The Bible tells us what to do. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says, be sober, be vigilant, watch out, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same suffering experiences are being accomplished in your brothers throughout the world. Look at what God says. He says, be sober. What does that word mean? It means to be self-controlled, to be serious. Tell your neighbor, get serious. Tell him again, get serious. You know how important it is for you to be sober, to be serious about spiritual things. Attacks are going to come into your life. That's why you've got to be serious. Some people go through their Christian experience without the awareness that they are the target of Satan, that they are the target of the kingdom of darkness. You've got to get serious. You've got to wake up in the morning knowing that there's going to be an enemy to fight, that there is going to be a battle to, to wage, and that you have the victory already from the beginning of the day for the end of the day. I don't think you heard me. I said you already have the victory for the end of the day at the beginning of the day. But you've got to wake up with a seriousness that says, God, I'm not going to get distracted. I'm not going to get off course. I'm serious about what you want in my life. There's people who want a lot of things, but they're just not serious about them. There's people who want to lose weight. They're not serious about it. There's people who want to get off drugs, but they're not serious about it. There's people who want to get a college degree, but they're not serious about it. There's people who want to accomplish some great things in life, but they're not serious about it. Friend, it's not enough to just dream about it. You've got to decide, I am going to be sober. I'm going to be diligent. I am going to be determined. I'm going to have the grace of God in my life to go and do the things that I have to do in order to accomplish the purpose of God for my life. You see, there are going to be moments of difficulty, moments that will challenge you on the way. And you have to know, I'm serious about this thing. I want it so bad, I'll say I'll take whatever the cost. Joseph was that kind of man. He said, God, I'll do whatever it takes, whatever the cost, I'll do it to see that dream fulfilled in my life. And maybe the Lord said to Joseph, well, Joseph, are you willing to go through a pit to get to where you're supposed to be in your life? And Joseph might have said, well, Lord, Pits don't sound too fun, but yes, I'll do whatever it takes. And maybe the Lord said, Joseph, are you willing to go through prison to get where I want you to go? And he said, Lord, you know, I don't think prison sounds all that great, but I'll do whatever it takes. And maybe he said, Lord, maybe the Lord said, Joseph, are you willing to go through a a, a season of being forgotten and being abandoned in your life? Are you willing to go through that? Maybe he said, Lord, that sounds really hard, but I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And friend, Joseph moved from the pit to the prison and from the prison to being forgotten. And from from being forgotten, he moved into the palace because God had his hand upon his life. He was serious about where God was taking him and he had a determination to go to that place. Are you sober? I hope you're sober this morning. If you didn't come to church sober, it's all right. But Jesus can make you sober in a moment. Say amen, somebody. I think the church is asleep this morning. I said, Jesus can make you sober. Jesus will dry you up. I said, Jesus will dry you up. He'll take that, he'll take that addiction out of your life and he'll give you a new joy and a new strength and a new high that comes from walking with him. Are you sober? Are you serious? Are you determined? Then the Bible says, be watchful. Tell your neighbor, watch out. 
Watch out. You've got to be watchful. You've got to have your eyes open. He said, look. Look and see what's out there. Why? Because there is an enemy prowling around. The Bible said that the, that the devil is like a roaring lion, a prowling lion, seeking someone to devour. What must you do then? Be on guard. Have your spiritual eyes open. Have your spiritual discernment. Let the Spirit of God give you wisdom and understanding. Don't make decisions without prayer. Don't make decisions without talking to a, a um, spiritual authority or spiritual counselor. Someone who, who's got a, 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 the ability to hear from the Lord. Don't make decisions without talking to an elder or a, a group leader. Somebody in your life you know can hear from God. Stop getting counseling from people that need counseling. And go and hear from somebody that knows the word of the Lord. Get, make the, 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 don't just go into life without looking and seeing what are the options? What are the opportunities? What is God saying? What does God want me to do? And when you are watchful, you'll be ready as you see the attack of the enemy. Because the attack of the enemy often is sinister and by surprise. But usually it's something predictable. It's usually a, an opportunity that you can see and discern in your spirit. This didn't come from God. The enemy will whisper ideas into your mind. He'll put thoughts in your heart that you know didn't come from God. You know, if you're sitting in church one day and, the, and you hear the, the, the voice said to you, uh, give your tithe to the Lord this morning, you can tell that's not the devil, all right? You don't have to rebuke that. You don't have to say, get thee behind me, Satan. If, the, if you hear the voice of God saying to you, give $100 to that guy that's walking behind you, don't have to say, devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. The devil's not going to tempt you to do something good. He's not going to tempt you to obey God. But he's going to say, hey, you know what? You ought to stay home from church this week. You, you ought to stay home from the house of God. Don't go to Bible study. The devil will tell you, you know what? You've been studying the Bible long enough. Go ahead and just do what you already know. He'll lie to you. He'll tell you, hey, you know what? That guy over there has been paying special attention to you. And uh, that girl over there has been talking real sweet to you. Maybe you ought to figure out what that's all about. When you hear that voice, you got to open wide your eyes and know this is nothing but the devil. And I've got to stand guard against every scheme of the enemy. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about watchfulness tell your neighbor watch out he's prowling around he's a strategist the, the devil is a strategist the bible said that joseph's brothers saw him coming satan sees us coming you know the bible tells us he prowls around the enemy has two lines of his strategy first of all when the enemy prowls around like a lion a lion first begins to scout out the flock of deer that it's going to attack. And he knows he can't eat all the deer in that flock, but all he needs is one. And so he looks at that flock to find the weakest one, the one that can't run as fast, the one that has a hobble or a limp. He says, all right, the next thing I'm going to do, I'm going to roar. And when I roar, those deer are going to begin to scatter all over the place, and I'm going to go after the weak one. I'm going to get him isolated and alone. And friend, that's why the enemy wants to isolate you. When he, when he attacks, he wants to scatter you from the house of God. He wants to scatter you from the people of God. He wants you to get away from your small group, get away from a, a Bible study. He wants you to get away and alone so that he can devour you whole, so that he can destroy your life. That's why you needed to be here this morning, because you and I together are strong. You and I, by the power of God, have been made a family in the name of Jesus. 
But the enemy comes and he roars against you. And he says, you know what? I'm going to isolate you and I'm going to destroy you. But you see, when you get around other Christians and you say, you know what? I've been hearing the enemy roar. I've been hearing the devil uh, challenge my life and, and speak these things into my life. They'll tell you, you know what? I've heard that roar too. But don't worry about it. That lion is toothless. He doesn't have any teeth. Jesus took his teeth out at the cross. Jesus defeated him and vanquished him at the cross. You don't have to worry. Let the devil roar all he wants. There is a lion within. The lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the one that has the last word over your life and victory is yours in his name be watchful because the lion is prowling but he doesn't have victory victory belongs to you so the bible says this resist him steadfast in your faith don't let the devil have your faith are you listening church i said don't let the devil have your faith your faith is the most important weapon that you have in your arsenal. If you can believe God, anything's possible. That's what the scripture says. Have I not told you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? That's what Jesus said. He said, if you can believe God, anything will be possible. That's why the enemy attacks your faith. He challenges your faith life. He challenges your belief system because he knows that if he can take your faith, he can take your miracle. If he can take your faith, he can take your finances. If he can take your faith, he can take your victory. But I've come this morning to tell him, devil, you can't have our faith. We have believed in God and we will believe in God. We have trusted in him and we will stand steadfast in our faith. Now then, you say, pastor, I want to be strong. I want to be watchful. What else do I need to watch against? Well, watch against the pits. Watch out for the pits that might come into your life. You see, there are a lot of pits that Christians fall into that they don't get out of. One of them is the pit of unforgiveness. Some people fall into the pit of offense. They have fallen to a place where they're hurt and they're unable to forgive. You know what? Life happens. People get hurt. People say things they shouldn't say. Often relationships can't be mended. And you have to decide. I'm not going to live in the pit of unforgiveness. I'm not going to live in the pit of yesterday. I can't sit here and chew on what everybody else said about me. I've got to move on. You see, friend, as long as you hold on to yesterday and can't forgive the offense of yesterday, you cannot receive the promise of tomorrow. You can't receive the blessing that God has for you in your future. Someone has said that unforgiveness is like drinking poison. And waiting for the other person to die. You're waiting around for that other person to get what's coming to them. And they're sitting on a cruise sipping iced tea. And they don't know anything about you or how you feel. You've got to decide this morning, I'm getting out of this pit. I can't stay in the pit of offense and unforgiveness. Some people have fallen into the pit of shame. Their past has caused them to fall. And they say, I can't get up. I've done something uh, terrible. I, I've done too many wrong things in my life. My, my record is stained by my sin and my shame and my error. If you stay in that pit, friend, you'll never see the joy that God has for you on the other side. Because Jesus didn't come to remind you of your shame. He came so that his blood could wash away your shame and give you a new life and a fresh start. The Bible says that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And all things, old things have been done away with. And behold, all things have been made new. Some people have fallen into the, fit, into the pit of defeat. 
They have known failure in their life. They have known the bitter agony of trying and not succeeding. And they have decided, I can't do it again. I'm too old to try again. I'm too young to try again. I don't, I'm too broke to try again. And they have fallen into a pit of failure and of defeat. And friend, I'm here today to tell you this morning, you don't have to stay in any one of these pits. You don't have to stay in any one of these low places. God has designed for you to come out. And he has designed for you to come out this morning in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. I said he wants you to come out this morning. You don't have to stay in that pit. You can say this morning, I'm coming out of this pit. Say that with me. I'm coming out. Say this with me. I'm coming up and I'm coming out. Say it again. I'm coming up and I'm coming out. Pastor, how can I say that? How can I say that when adversity is surrounding my life? How can I say that when I still have some unmet goals? When God still hasn't given me all that he promised? I'll tell you how you can say that. You can say, I'm coming out of this pit. Because the Bible says that many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord will deliver them out of them all. Did you hear me this morning? I said the Lord will deliver you out of them all. He didn't say the Lord will deliver you out of a few. He didn't say the Lord will deliver you out of some. He didn't say the Lord will deliver you out of most. He said the Lord will deliver you out of them all. Come on somebody, get excited about that this morning. God said I will deliver you out of every one of the pits of affliction. You can say, I'm getting out of this pit because the Bible says that I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction and out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to the living God. You can say, I'm getting out of this pit because the Bible says that when the waters appeared, the foundations of the world were laid bare at the rebuke of the Lord. He sent from on high and he took me and he drew me up out of the many waters and he delivered me from my strong enemy. And he made those who hated me to be at peace with me. You can say, I'm getting out of that pit. We sang it this morning. My world was shaken. My heart was broken. My hope was fading. The walls were closing in, but now I'm singing. Look how he lifted me. My life was sinking. My days were numbered. The waves were crashing in. The flood was coming in, but hallelujah. Look how he lifted me. Look how he lifted you, church. Look at where you were when he found you, and look where you are this morning. Come on, somebody. Look how he lifted you. He raised you up, and he put you on a solid ground. He put you in a high place when nothing else could help, when no one else could save you, when you, when your strength couldn't do it, and your money couldn't do it, and your prowess couldn't do it, and your power couldn't do it, when your politics couldn't do it, and your achievements couldn't do it, and your education couldn't do it. His hand reached down and reached you and brought you up, and he brought you out. Come on, somebody. You don't have to stay in that pit. You don't have to stay in that low place, look how he's lifted you. Look where he's brought you from. And if he's done that thus far, what else will he do? You don't have to stay in despair. 
You don't have to stay in hopelessness and fear. You can come out of the pit this morning. You can come out of the pit of sin this morning. You say, Pastor Isaac, I don't know Jesus Christ is my Savior. I don't know the peace of God in my life. I feel like I live far from God. Friend, you can come out of that pit this morning. All you have to do is call on Jesus. I said, all you have to do is call on Jesus. You say, Pastor, it may be too late for me. I've gone too far. I've dug, dug too deep. I've hit rock bottom. Guess what? Jesus is the rock that you hit. And he's the one that can lift you up. And he's the one that can lift you out. If you call on him by faith, he'll make known his power to you and give you his grace. Would you stand with me this morning, please? I want to make a, an invitation to you this morning. First of all, if you would say, Preacher, I want to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I need to know God for myself. You say, Preacher, I don't want to just know God for, other, for who he was in my parents' life or my grandparents' life, but I want to know him for myself. You can know him today, friend. Maybe you're saying, Preacher, does God really love me? Does God really care? Can God really save me? Listen, friend, you're not here by accident. You're not listening to this by accident. You are here because God loved you. And he chose to reach down into your life today and to draw you to himself. Today, the arms of God's grace embrace you and they say, if you will have him, Jesus will be all yours. And you can know his peace. You can know his grace. And so I want to make this first invitation to you. If there's anyone here that would say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to know the love of God in my life. If that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand? If you want to say that, if you want to know God's love and God's forgiveness, today is a day of salvation. The Bible said that if you will confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe on the, with all of your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand? Say, that's me, Pastor. Would you pray with me? Very well, then I want to make this second invitation to all of you this morning who say, Pastor, I've been attacked. I've been attacked. The enemy has come against my dream. The enemy has come against God's promise in my life. I want to stand in my faith. If that's you, I want you just to come into this altar right now. Come quickly. You say, Pastor, I'm in the battle for my faith. I'm in the battle for my family. I want you to come on. Get into this altar. Maybe you say, Pastor, I've been attacked, and I'm in a pit this morning, and I want to come out of that pit. I want you to come into this altar. Come. Today is a day of decision. You say, Pastor, I'm, I'm facing a challenge in my life. I'm facing an anxiety in my life. I'm facing a pit so, so deep, so hard, so heavy, I don't know if I can make it. Jesus is calling you out today. The answer is Jesus. The great arm of God's grace reaches down to you today and says, you don't have to be alone. You don't have to be discouraged. God is on your side. And if God before you, then who can be against you? Come on, you don't have to climb your way out this morning. All you have to do is call on Jesus. Just call on Jesus.
Maybe you say, Pastor, I'm fighting the fight of my life. And I'm winning. But I want to stay strong. Come on. Get into this altar. Get into this altar. Make that decision. I'm going to be watchful. I'm going to be serious. I'm going to be sober. Because I want all that God has for my life.